All right, let's let's uh, pray, and we'll look at um, Revelation 17 again, and maybe a few other passages here. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, thank you for bringing us back here tonight. Thank you for um, this time to study your word. And we pray, Lord, for the kids in the back and pray that you give the teachers wisdom back there and and, uh, make all the kids attentive uh, so that they uh, get what is being said, grant to them understanding, and help us out here as well, we pray, uh, Father, uh, to hear your word and, and receive it. Open our hearts to receive your truth. Uh, For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I did want to mention this morning, I forgot to mention, uh, Jim McCarty, the one, you know, Jim and Maria in Mexico, um, he's he's flying up tomorrow to have those tests run. I told you he's got some... There's a doctor here that suspects that Jim has some kind of heart issue. And so... uh, I've forgotten her name, the doctor's name, but anyway, she asked, she wants him to come so she can do a battery of tests, you know. Um, so he's, he should be here tomorrow in, in town. Of course, he'll be uh, busy, I guess, all week doing that, but, uh, and it's just him, you know, coming to do that. So just pray for him. Pray for him as he travels and, and as he uh, um, has the test done. Uh, Jim's wife, also Maria McCarty, is uh, is pregnant. So that, I wanted to mention that as as well. So we'll try to get her put on the on the ladies and waiting list. We'll try to keep up with it. All right. Um, Revelation 17. I'm going to read again, and then we'll maybe try to cover uh, things we missed this morning. Revelation 17:1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk, with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, 
and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are the peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn up and burn her up with fire for god has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of god are fulfilled and the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth okay Boy, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you know, as far as <laughs> as far as getting it all, it's tough, isn't it? It's it's uh, all, all the imagery, but um, some of it, you know, we have some clues too. But it's still tough to uh, uh, to say for sure uh, what some of the individual things mean. And then some of it, I think, is still future, and so there's just no way to tell. If if, for example, um, you look at verse 12, the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. That's at least future in John's day because he says they've not yet received royal power but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with a beast now that, that may be still still future um, and so if it is um, you know a lot of people speculate as to who the, the ten kings are um, and there's just no way to know you know if, if, if that's in the future then, then we can only speculate and, and the number ten may be symbolic anyway it may just be a way of saying um uh, that there's like a, a a perfect alliance of some sort, you know, uh, that will join with the beast and make war on the lamb. And and that's the main thing that we've been coming back to uh, time and time again. What you what you've got here characterized uh, in the form of the beast and in the form of these kings and in the form of the nations and in the form of uh, the, the the prostitute and and uh, Babylon and the next chapter. All, all of these things are. Um, people um, uh, and, and governments, you know, states or whatever that, that are a, stand opposed to God, and they make war with the Lamb. So uh, this has been going on throughout history, but, but I think, um, as we've been talking about, you know, there's coming a time where it's all going to uh, intensify and, and come to a head, so to speak, at the end of the age. And so I think that's what we're seeing here uh, play out. And God is bringing judgment on, on the world. So I think it's another way of describing what we talked about in the last chapter, where God completes His judgment on the earth um, before the very end when Christ returns. Um, and, and it's still not done yet. Uh, we, we get over into the next chapter and talk about the fall of Babylon, and, and uh, you get some more detail, but I think it's describing the same scenario. Any questions on any of that or comments before we... Yeah. Rome. <laughs> yeah.
that can't be an accident. Um, but, you know, in fact, um, but, but I don't think, or, or the way I worded it this morning, I think, um, in fact, I think I wrote it down here. But uh, I think it, it, it symbolizes Rome, but then I think Rome, I, I think it does rep- it, it, it's representing Rome, but I think then Rome represents something as well. In other words, it's probably not just talking about uh, the Roman Empire that existed. In, yeah, sort of an allegory. Yeah, analogy on top of an analogy. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. You, you, you're there, what verse was that where it says, mentions the seven hills? Uh, let me go back and find that. Scarlet B, seven hills, ten horns. Verse 9. Okay, yeah. And by the way, notice this. And this is always catches my attention, or at least I hope it does. This calls for a mind with wisdom. And it makes me think of Jesus' words, uh, like in, in uh, Matthew 24, when, they were, when Jesus was telling them that the temple is going to be destroyed, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And they want to know when. You know, when are these things going to be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth in response is, um, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Um, so that's, that's what this reminds me of. This calls for a mind of wisdom. And that's the sec- this is the second time we've seen this uh, in Revelation. This calls for a mind with wisdom. So that's like, a, to me, that seems like uh, a word of caution right there on how we interpret these things. Uh, but anyway, he goes on to say, This calls for a mind w- with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. So, so she's pictured as being seated on seven mountains. Well, as Wesley just pointed out, the city of Rome uh, is called this, the city of seven hills or something. It's, it's, it's situated on seven, seven hills, seven mountains. Um, so that sounds like a reference to Rome. And then you get down to verse... 18, and he says, And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Okay, well, what great city had dominion over the kings of the earth when John is writing this? Rome, right? So that seems inescapable to me that, 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 he's, that all this is pointing to Rome. And, and yet, if you just try to apply it to Rome, the city-state Rome, I don't think it all fits. Um, but I think it's a way of saying um, that Rome in its day, just like Babylon, if you go back further in history to Babylon in its day or Assyria or something like that, Rome in its day was represented um, the, uh, the world, you know, the world system. And in many ways, um, the enemy of, it represented the enemy of God, especially Babylon. You go back in Babylon, um, you know, they invaded Israel and... and uh, well, Rome did too. So they're they're viewed as the as the enemy. And so uh, uh, I think, yes, probably it's talking about Rome, but it's still using Rome. I think as just a a, a representative of something bigger. So like a part of a whole. So uh, I, I think the easiest way for me to understand it, is, you know, is, is probably just you know I keep using the term world system. It's everything that stands against Christ. The whole world system. I had a... Uh, but there's even problems with that. I'll show you in a minute. There are difficulties with it. Absolutely. A lot of people have interpreted that with the reformers like Martin Luther. Uh, 
Uh, Matthew Henry. If you got a Matthew Henry commentator, a lot of people use Matthew Henry. Uh, you know, he's uh, um, see Matthew Henry was 16th or 17th century. I forget off the top of my head, but yeah, he interprets it that way. So that's the way he comments on it. You know, he's saying it's, it's the papacy, um, the Roman Catholic Church, and and it makes sense. I mean, it fits. Um, I don't think he's right, but it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but it, but it's a valid. It makes sense. It fits. But I, it fits in one sense. But I, but again, I, it, I I don't think you can make the Roman Catholic Church fit everything that's being described here. But but it is in Rome, right? It's headquartered in Rome. Seven hills. Not not. Uh, uh, actually, it's on a. It's not on one of the seven hills. Actually, the Vatican is on a, another hill. Uh, I was just looking at that the other day. Um, but still, it's Rome, and Rome is the city of the seven hills. All false religion. I think so, and that's that's what I was saying this morning. Which is, like, say, and I, like I said this morning, a little speculation on my part, but to me that fits um, better um, uh, if if you. See how can I explain this? If if you understand it as being um, the total world system, everything, which I think it does represents in one sense, but in another, it's it's a little bit more specific. Let me give let me give you a quote real quick before I even go beyond that. That is, if I can find it. Um, This is George Ladd. He says, "Here the harlot is Babylon." The symbol of human civilization with all its pomp and circumstance organized in opposition to God. So that's the same thing. What he's talking about there is the same thing I'm describing as the world system. Um, everything organized in opposition. Human civilization organized in opposition to God is essentially what he's saying. But, uh, you, you, well, wouldn't the beast be included in that? If, if, you, if you think of that as like a big umbrella, wouldn't the... Wouldn't the, wouldn't the beast and these ten kings who are making war with the lamb and and the the, the seven um, kings of the seven um, seven heads of the beast that the woman is sit, seated on wouldn't all that be considered part of that too? And yet you find them at war with one another when you get down to verse sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, and the ten horns that you saw they they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind. So like I said this morning, God turns one of his enemies upon the other to bring judgment. So here the beast and these other kings turn on the the prostitute and and, um, attack her, devour her flesh, burn her up with fire. So... In one sense, she, the, the prostitute represents the, whole, the world system, you know, everything opposed to God. But in another sense, she's distinct here from the, from the, uh, the Antichrist, the beast, and these other ten kings. So how is she distinct? And that's why I was, you know, speculating, kind of following along the lines of Matthew Henry saying, well, it's the Roman Catholic Church, and what happens here is the, uh, the kingdoms of the world turn on, you know, they get fed up. They've been feeding off and in bed with, so to speak, the Roman Catholic Church for centuries. But now they get fed up with them and they turn on them. Like I say, that all kind of fits in one sense. Um, but I just think it's bigger than that. 
Um, and, and, but I think you could apply that to all false religion, that there are many ways in which um, um, nations and kingdoms um, have, have, again, to use the prostitute analogy, have been in bed with, so to speak, false religion, have profited from false religion. Um, and yet, uh, if, if, if that's correct, then, you're, then there's coming a point where the beast turns on Turn, yeah, he's, he's turning on the, the primarily on the church, the people of God, making war with the, with the Lamb, like he says there. Um, but I think, and one reason, I, like I say, I think the prostitute maybe could be referring to uh, all false religions is because if he sets himself up as the one true religion, which my understanding is that's, that's what he's going to do. That's coming from Thessalonians where Paul talks about the man of lawlessness. Um, if, if he sets himself up as God, then he's going to do away with all other religions, right? So um, I, it, it seems too to me. All right. So yeah, I think that just to get back to the to the, the prostitute for a minute, I think that is referring to Rome, but I think still Rome is representative of something larger. So uh, again, again, probably. Um, it, it, it has to do with, with everything that's anti-Christ, anti-God, and, and maybe maybe has to do with false religion. Maybe that's why the beast turns on it. Um, a lot of the modern uh, atheists are pretty hostile toward, toward uh, religion. D.A. Carson likes to say that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, if you were an atheist, you were a Christian atheist, <laughs> meaning that meaning that um, the God that they opposed was the God of Christianity. Um, but now, uh, a lot of them just you know, no no religion. They they oppose them all. Some of some of the well known um, atheists like Sam Harris, um, what's his name, Richard Dawkins. You know, they'll speak out against Islam and and the other. Uh, religions as well, but but they do uh, they do attack Christianity for sure, big time. Right, yeah. right. That's what they say. Yeah, believe me. Nothing but chance. <laughs> huh. Nothing but chance. Luck, I guess. Okay. All right. So again. Um, in fact, let's let's do this. I want to look at these passages. I, I intended to go here this morning, just ran out of time. But um, I did mention Matthew sixteen twenty six. Matthew sixteen twenty six. Jesus says, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul?" And uh, the reason that came to mind is just thinking about the the analogy of the prostitute here. What what does a prostitute do? A prostitute sells their body, her body, um, for gain, for profit. So spiritually, that's what somebody's doing if they won't submit to the true God. They're selling their soul, so to speak, for what they consider to be gain, um, which again is just the, the things of this world. And so that's what he's describing here when he says, like in verse 2, um, whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immor- with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have, have become drunk. So he's saying everybody, you know, the people have become drunk on 
the uh, what he calls the wine of this woman's this prostitute's sexual immorality, uh, and he describes her blasphemy. Her um, says she was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels. So you just you just get the whole idea, like uh, the, like the quote from George Ladd a moment ago of the, you know the the pomp, you know the pomp and circumstance, the luxury. Um, so it's just it's just very worldly, very materialistic. Elvis, huh? With all with all the <laughs> with all the. The rhinestones and the cape and all that, you know, very worldly. But it reminds us of us too, doesn't it? Uh, before Christ and, and our whole focus is on the world and the things of this world. And, uh, you know, that's what we, that's where our passion was. That's what we live for. Um, so, so people, what do people go after? I mean, people go after, uh, they live for, you know, more comfort, you know, more money, more whatever, you know, uh, pleasure in the sense of, uh, uh, often in the sense of, of immorality. So so these are the things that she's caught up in. These are the things that she's got the, the, the nations of the world drunk with, intoxicated with. So to me, it's just a really good description of the world apart from Christ. Intoxicated with the things of this world. Committing sexual immorality in, in this sense. You know, it's a, it's a spiritual fornication. Um... Not not just you know because again here it's an analogy so so it's 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 selling your soul for the things of this world running after everything but God and if, and if you maybe it's helpful too if you if you compare since he does use the analogy of prostitute compare the a prostitute and the lifestyle of a prostitute compare that to a a woman who has committed her whole life her whole adult life to one man. Faithful, faithfulness to one man, and 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 that's a good um, analogy, I think, for the Christian life versus the life of the world. You know, we are married to Christ, so so our, our allegiance is to Christ. Our affections are for Christ. Um, so we are called to be faithful. In fact, that's verse fourteen, right? Um, he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. The called, chosen, and faithful. So, instead of uh, selling their souls for the pleasures of this world, they are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's there's the contrast again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, it, well, it's it's both. You know, throughout church history, um, Satan is attacking the church. You know, and and it's often physical. Just like uh, in in Iraq, you know, they're they're cutting people's heads off, um, crucifying them, burning them to death, uh, drowning them alive. Um, it's very physical going on right now uh, but but if you're talking about are you talking about like an Ar- Armageddon type yeah I think that's possible I mean it's it's, it's yeah there's there, there's going to be a, a final conflict 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play. A lot of people interpret it to be an actual gathering of the armies uh, over in Israel. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I know it's going to at least be what, what, what we see here where... Uh, the devil knows his time is short, so he is raging against the church. I, and I think that's, that's typically what you, what you... In other words, when he says he makes war with the Lamb, how would he do that? By attacking the church. Because what did, Remember Saul? Jesus stopped Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, Paul, the apostle, who became the Apostle Paul. And he said, Jesus said to Saul, Why are you persecuting me? Right? Saul was attacking Jesus in, in well, I'll start to say he didn't know it. He did kind of know it. I mean, he, he was intending to, uh, to uh, stamp out the Christian religion. But, but, but I think if you had asked him, you know, Saul, are you, are you uh, out to attack Jesus? I, I think he would have said, Jesus is dead. <laughs> that guy died. We crucified him. He's dead. They stole his body to make out like he's alive. And what I'm trying to do is stamp out this cult that's going after him um, and pretending like he's still alive. Um, but in reality, he was attacking Jesus. I mean, that's the way Jesus interpreted it. So, uh, so, so I think, yeah, it's, it's physical in that sense. You know, Satan is is attacking the church, and and uh, sometimes that sometimes that gets very physical. In fact, the thing, you know, it's just hard to even read the things that go on now in Iraq, and it's, it's it is it is. Uh, Something. Yep. Pray for those brothers and sisters. Uh, and the other people, too. You know, there are other people. Um, the Yazidis, which is an, another religion. I don't. It's, it's kind of an offshoot from Islam, I think. But ISIS, of course, considers them to be heretics. So, you know, they, they, they persecute them as well. And they persecute other Muslims if they don't, if they don't line up with what they're what they're doing. So well, there are a lot of people getting persecuted over there. And I'm sure that's, to some degree, that's already going on in the, in the places that they have control of. Because see, that or die, you know. And, and those people, like you say, they don't have the Lord. Those people who are, are uh, many of whom are already Muslim, um, and a lot of them aren't going to be likely to resist. I mean, you know. Some will, thank God. I've read, I mean, I've read some stories like there was one Christian that, that tried to stay in his home, and, and I think that was right in Baghdad. Uh, uh, not Baghdad. Anyway, it was an Iraqi city. And uh, he, he just kind of, he wasn't going to leave. I mean, it's, I know it's, in one way that's hard to understand, but then you think, you know, that's a person's home. They, they grew up there and lived there all their life. So he wasn't going to leave. When they came to, uh, they would have killed him. They came, the ISIS came in, and uh, of course they told him, you know, the deal. You got to, you, you're either going to um, become a Muslim, or you're going to pay this exorbitant tax. You know, if if we let you live, um, um, or you know, we're going to kill you. And uh, they probably would have killed him. But his neighbors were all Muslim, um, but you know, these were people that probably known him all his life. And, and they, they gathered around and, and pleaded with him and said, please let him live, you know. And, uh, and they did. They turned him loose, and he had to leave then. But uh, just amazing. I've heard a couple stories like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that was just God, you know, it was just the grace of God. And then some of them flee, you know. Some, some of the Muslims, they leave because uh, they don't want to be in the middle of all that. And it's a bad situation. They do. I mean, I've read, I've read account. There, there is a, a, an Anglican bishop. He was, the, he was the bishop of Baghdad. This, that man is, is, is amazing. He tried to stay too, uh, and it got so dangerous. Uh, he, I mean, he had to have bodyguards constantly. Uh, ISIS literally put a price on his head, and uh, his, you know, in the Anglican Church, you have a hierarchy, Church of England. And so they told him, look, you've got to come out of there. And, and uh, he finally agreed because he said uh, he's trying to take care of all these children and stuff. And it got so dangerous for them because of him being there that he, that he left. But that's what he did. He went across. He went over into Jordan and uh, set up on the border there. And, and I heard him talking on the radio um, some interview I was listening to, and he was talking about that, that, that a lot of Muslims were fleeing as well, like I say, because they, they're, they're just getting out of there. And he said, we're, we're getting to, he said, we're getting to give them the gospel. When they come across the border, you know, they're, uh, of course, they're looking for food and water and all that, so they do. They're set up, and, and, and then they give, they give them the gospel. And he said a lot of them are, are, uh, are receptive. So, but, Yep. All right, a couple more, and then we'll, we'll quit here. First John two, First John two fifteen. I never made it here this morning. This was kind of my my practical application here. <laughs> uh, these next couple of passages. Do not First John two fifteen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So, don't be in love with the world, John says. And that's exactly what um, the people described in Revelation 17 that are following after the beast and marveling at the beast and that are drunk... Um, intoxicated with uh, uh, you know the wine of the of the prostitute and 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 her sexual immorality and all this and that. That's what's being described there. These these are people that are that are given over to pursuing um, worldly desires. So they're they're in love with the world. And here's one more. James four four. You adulterous people. That's interesting, isn't it? He uses a. a uh, calls them adulterous. <clears throat> you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So it's a it's a either or. Either um, following after the great prostitute and and the beast and um, you know worshiping and marveling at the beast, or, remember the 144,000, following the Lamb wherever He goes. (laughs) So it's one or the other. People are either following the beast or they're following the Lamb. Either in the world um, and of the world, or 
not of this world. Either a friend of the world or not a friend of the world. Okay. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what is being represented there um, with the great prostitute um, and the beast. Is, is, uh, or of course, the beast is like the final manifestation of Satan's power against the church. <clears throat> but all that description with the prostitute, I think that's uh, a pretty good way of understanding it. It's the idea of being in love with the world and, and being a friend of the world. And, uh, and probably, like we were saying a while ago, uh, maybe um, manifesting in the form of false religion. And, you know, um, that's something that uh, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of Christians don't even uh, think about a lot of times. Uh, fa- that's what false religions are. I mean, they are of the world. They are, they are worldly. I mean, a lot of times we, we look at, um, I don't know, you may, may look at some Tibetan monk uh, or, or monks uh, off in the mountains somewhere, you know, where all they do is nothing but pray all the time and, and, uh, and uh, uh, meditate. And you think, well, man, um, you know, they don't, they don't, they're, they're caught up in this false religion, so they don't know the Lord. But, um, but, uh, but they're not worldly. Well, yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, they might, they might not be, uh, you know, they might not have iPhones and I, and uh, uh, you know, cars and all that kind of thing. But uh, anything that is not of Christ is not spiritual. It's not heavenly. It is of this world. False religion is of this world. It is worldly. And, and ultimately, all false religion is, is self-centered, you know, self-focused. So it's, it's very worldly. All right. Well, let's pray. Uh, Brother Freddie, you mind praying for us?